The greatest danger from COVID-19 is not to learn from it. The greatest danger from COVID-19 is if we don't learn from what happens. I don't think this is going to be the end of the world, but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. More things will happen later. Anyway, let me talk about this. I want to give it for context. In 1996, I had my idea for what became the first company that I started, that I co-founded, uh, that was going to become Submedia. For people who don't know, my invention, the idea that I had was to, and we created, was displays that we put on the walls of subway tunnels that when the train went by, it looked like a movie, a movie screen outside the subway car window. When we, we got funding, we wrote the patents, we wrote the business plan, we got clients, we, got, we hired employees and so forth. We did everything to get this thing going, working in the garage and things like that. And then in the summer, there's one summer we were going to go to launch. Our debut advertiser was Coca-Cola. It was going to be in Atlanta. There's a lot of stuff that went on, but we, we, got really, we knew we were going to get really good PR for this because things in subway tunnels and some amazing things that look amazing, you're going to get lots of press. We hired a PR company and we worked very hard with them to figure out what's the best time to launch. What's a good date that will get lots of media attention was not likely other things going on. And so all summer long, we worked on it and we made the date and we sent out these cards to all of our investors, employees, customers, everyone we could. And on it, on the back, it said lots of text saying, we welcome you to this historic debut launch of this new medium in Atlanta, September 11th, 2001. That was our launch day. Well, it was going to be our launch day. And we had gotten investment valuing the company in the eight digits, so tens of millions of dollars. With my shares, I believe that I was on paper worth tens of millions of dollars at 7 a.m. on September 11th, 2001. When September 11th happened, who knew what would happen? I mean, on the scale of what happened to people in the towers, in the planes, the first responders, the people who went to defend our freedom overseas afterward, who were called to act, on the scale of what happened to them, what happened to me wasn't much. But I don't know many, many other people who were not first responders or people who served who were affected as much. It was a very difficult time. I went from having a lot. And by the way, I gave up a career in physics, pursuing to become an Einstein or a Feynman or a Newton, you know, following in their footsteps, helping build a satellite, to starting an outdoor advertising company. It was a very difficult time. Everything got pulled out from underneath me, from underneath us, I should say. For a while, you couldn't bring a wrench into a subway tunnel, let alone build something in there. The security was very high. There was no way to get funding. Uh, within a couple of years, the investors said, the only way that we can keep this going is we're going to put a little bit of money. We, we all know that the only way to keep this thing going is for us to put in a little bit of money. Either, Josh, you sign this thing saying this paper that accepts the money and you're out. You can stay on the board, but you're not going to be CEO. Or the company goes bankrupt. So I signed that. And so within a couple of years, after having done, I'm not saying I did everything perfect, but... I mean, the technology worked. We got great reviews. We eventually did launch in October. I think it was Coca-Cola's first advertising post 9-11, first new advertising. We did everything. We did a lot of things right. We did enough right that we got this thing started. We got major, pro I mean, investors who were overseas during our launch wrote us and said, hey, we saw it on TV over here in France. Nonetheless, I was ousted. I went from following in the footsteps of Einstein and Newton and Galileo to being ousted from an outdoor advertising company. I don't, I don't think I have to tell you that 
outdoor advertising is not the same as following in Einstein's footsteps. But now I couldn't even continue with that. I could not go forward because my business didn't work. I couldn't go backward because I'd not burn the bridges, but you can't really go back. In a, I couldn't go back. It was a very difficult time. And when the company was struggling, it felt like when things were going well, everyone was in it together. And when things were going badly, everyone needed to make sure they got a piece for themselves. And I, I was, it was unsure for me whom to trust anymore. The euphemism I usually say is that I got, I got closer to my mom and also other entrepreneurs who had been through difficult periods like this. Right now, I don't know what it's like where you are. In New York City, it's not quite things shutting down, but things are starting to shut down. I mean, the schools are trying to keep open. Restaurants, there's a few people in them. There's definitely runs on the stores. Shelves empty, very long lines to buy things. But there are huge unknowns looking forward. Will things restart? When? How many people are going to suffer? How many will die? How bad will the suffering be? What will happen to the healthcare system? Have I bought enough to eat? Will I become infected? If so, how badly? Will I accidentally infect others? Calming us, perhaps, are images of China and Korea, but also Italy, showing the fuller extent of shutting down ahead, but also the fuller extent of possibly not being able, the healthcare system not being able to handle things. We don't know what's going to happen. It seems to me, well, from the stuff that I've read, that other nations, there's a divide in effectiveness with how they treat the virus if they faced SARS and MERS and related situations before. If they have, then they, t- they tend to be handling things pretty strongly. If they haven't, I think they're a little more lax. And it remains to be seen that maybe that lax handling things leads to overwhelming the healthcare system. Whereas if you could slow things down, even if it was the same number of infections, maybe it would not overwhelm the healthcare system so much. And you wouldn't have, I mean, I think that in Iran, they have mass graves. I think we've seen pictures of that. Nothing compares with experience. No leadership, no skills can compare. Just knowing about things or thinking about things can compare with experience. Now, in America, we have seen back-to-back 500-year storms. We have seen fires in California. We have seen floods in various places. My home city of New York City has seen a hurricane. Not nearly the the country's severest. Katrina was bigger. But we know that there's more to come. Wherever we are, we know that there's more to come. We lack relevant leadership experience for covid We have nothing like it here in this country. You know that the environment is very important to me. I want to lower the amount of pollution, but I do not see a silver lining to lowering pollution if it comes through suffering and death. That is not a silver lining to me. If there's any silver lining to be found in this, that given predictions for generations, that neglecting our, as a species, our humility to the environment by dominating it instead of stewarding it, we've known that it would lead to sea level rise, to unbreathable air, to famine, to pestilence, and more. And we can expect more than what we've seen because we know that the temperatures are going to keep rising. If there's any silver lining, it's that however bad this problem with COVID, it may give us training for future bigger disasters. It will give us the experience that we could use to do more. And therefore, that's why I believe that the greatest danger in responding to COVID is if we don't learn how to handle a population far beyond the Earth's ability to sustain and regenerate. You know me, I think that overpopulation is at the root of a lot of these things and all this flying around. But we could learn from this situation what other nations hit by SARS learned. I think it's going to be a more difficult experience for us. We've been fortunate so far to face mostly localized disasters at different times. But here's one of our first global ones. The U.S. could come together in the past, as it has, with victims of Katrina, with the Paradise, California fires, and so on. We've helped foreign communities, however imperfectly, but we've helped them. What will happen in the future 
when two or three disasters happen at the same time or four disasters happen at the same time? Will we be able to handle that many people, that many problems at the same time? Today's answer is that we simply don't know. We have no idea if we can handle two problems at the same time or three problems at the same time or four or problems with, that are different than we've ever faced before. But we could learn now. The big point of what I'm saying here is that it's going to be very difficult. I believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. That is to say more people are going to suffer. The healthcare system is going to face some really big problems. But we could learn from this. Now, this is not a silver lining for people in Italy or Iran and probably the U.S. who will be or have been in the other countries turned away from hospital care. But nor did I know what I would do on September 11th. The fallout had, had barely begun. But I can tell you now that my life is far better now for what I learned for all of, my, all of what I teach about leadership and environmental leadership, that all came from having to struggle in that very, very difficult time. And what I learned, I value much more over what the comfort and convenience I lost in not having, say, the money that I would have had. I learned leadership and how to teach it. It's, and it's been over a decade now. Students of mine and clients of mine apply what they've learned in leadership to the West Bank and Silicon Valley, to the nation's least advantaged communities, and as you know, five years ago, I started my serious challenge of going without packaged food for a while. That led to not flying. I don't know if I told you, on Saturday, just a few days ago, I spent the evening up in the Bronx helping a single mom in a food desert. She invited me up there to her community to show them how I cooked the way that I cook because it would be useful for them. This is very, I like this. I like this way of living. I wouldn't have found it otherwise. And I think it's in harmony with nature as it is today. But more than what I do, it's the mindset shift to expect that acting on my environmental values improves my life. Why do I mention this? Because in the past five years, well, I started my fifth year of not flying in 10 days. So in the past four years, I've talked to a lot of people about not flying. I would guess something like a thousand. Of those thousand, I would guess 998 have told me in some way or other, not flying would be absolutely impossible for them. There's no way that they could not fly. And I would say, but there must be, and they said, no, it's absolutely impossible. You, Josh, maybe you can, maybe you're special, but I cannot. And now suddenly lots of people are not flying. I put this out as an example of not flying was never a matter of reality and impossibility. As they said, it was always a matter of motivation and it was a matter of imagination. And now they're able to do it. We can learn from this. A little while ago, my mom was in town. She went to go visit my, her grandchildren, my nieces and nephews. And she was going to visit me that evening, but she texted me and said, Josh, I, I have asthma. I'm older. I'm not going to stick around. I'm sorry I'm not going to see you, but I'm getting right back out of the city after I've been in here. For that matter, my niece's bat mitzvah is coming up very soon. In both cases, this COVID stuff is really, I mean, I didn't get to see my mom. I'm not, we don't really know what's going to happen with the bat mitzvah. I can tell you that my family is getting closer because of this. Not farther, but closer. If we're going to get out of this, well, first of all, struggling together brings you closer, even if you don't see each other face to face. Also, if we as a nation are going to, have, are going to struggle through this, if it, it becomes really bad, we're going to have to figure out if people aren't working, how do we make things work? Certainly, we have to get food to people. Certainly, we have to get water to people. We need health care for people. Lots of other stuff. Are advertising agencies going to be doing what they do? I don't think so. It forces us to evaluate our values and to act on what's very important to us. What are the important things? This is what we can learn from this. These are the types of things that we can learn from the COVID situation. We can learn how to handle things when they get really difficult, how to learn from each other, how to prepare, how to work with foreign countries and places that have handled things like this before, how to rebuild, 
how not to lose our composure when things get difficult, how to come together, what our priorities are as a nation. What do we do when the chips are down and we, can, we, can't, take, we can't do everything we used to do? What do we do? We know it's going to be food. We know it's going to be health care. What else do we hold on to? What can we get rid of? I've lowered my trash production by something like 90%. My life is better for it. There's nothing special about me in this regard. Others can do that too. Can we get rid of these inessential things and function as a society even when things are very challenging? I believe that things are about to become very challenging. What can we learn from this so that when it passes, we are stronger, more resilient, more able to take care of the next thing?